Welcome to Freedom Slave Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey guys, today's guest is a third generation entrepreneur born and raised on the south side of Chicago, who has always been the type to forge her own path, a real go-getter, right? To someone who's perfect for the Freedom Slave podcast. She started her company, Kendall Miles Designs, or KMD, as a passion project from her college apartment while trying to teach herself how to design footwear at the same dang time. Okay, serious go-getter. She later received formal training at a world-renowned accessories design university in Milan, Italy, before spending two years in NYC establishing a fashion industry network. All that work and networking definitely paid off because she now has a multi-million dollar luxury footwear brand and her shoe designs are blowing up. They're amazing, great quality, and they look cute because both are very important, right? And they've been spotted on some of your faves like Angela Simmons, Megan Good, and Bad Gal Riri. Yep, Rihanna. So it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to Miss Kendall Reynolds, and that is the CEO and founder of Kendall Miles Designs. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. So I know you started Kendall Miles Designs as a passion project from your college apartment. So can you tell me a bit about what that was like? Because I know most people can't even get past the point of just like studying and doing the classwork, but you were doing both at the same time. I was doing both at the same time because my parents told me that if I didn't graduate from college, that there would be no company. <laughs> so I definitely had to take my studies very seriously as a, at the same time that I was launching my business. But it was definitely, you know, a really heads down, like in the trenches type of lifestyle for a little while because school was really difficult and rigorous and building a business from the ground up, you know, it's probably one of the most difficult things I've, I've ever even embarked on. I can believe that one. 100%. And as an entrepreneur, I can definitely resonate with having to do that balancing act, right? Because both are important to you getting the education as well as doing your business, your passion project. So yeah, definitely, definitely understand. And I also understand that you taught yourself how to design shoes, which is impressive. And you later then received formal training in Milan. And then you went to NYC to begin building a fashion industry network. So why were these steps so important to you? I mean, it just kind of happened that way naturally. As I began to learn more about what it would take, to build the business and mm -hmm. the skills that I needed to have to build the business, you know, that kind of roadmap just presented itself to me. And so I kind of just followed the steps that, that were landing on my lap, in my face. And in hindsight, you know, I, I really think that those were definitely the right steps to take at the right time to kind of teach me the necessary skills to have in my little toolbox, you know, for when I need them. For sure. And do you think that building that network is important? Do you think it's super important for you to have that in industry of people who you can bounce ideas off of or people who are in the industry that can give you some knowledge as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, building building the network in Italy was just as important as building the network in New York. 
you know? So on one hand, I was building the network that could get me in front of the editors, get me in front of buyers, get me in front of clients and potential customers. And at the same time, I was also building my manufacturing network in Italy. So Mm -hmm. networking has become, you know, kind of like the nucleus of of building my business and growing my business. Uh Uh-huh. And I love that you said, you know, the manufacturing process in Italy, because I know a lot of people that are starting out um, or even that want to maybe potentially do designs or even not just shoe designs, but clothing designs. They run to Asia, probably China. A lot of times they go into different areas of South America as well, looking for something that's a bit less expensive. Was there a reason you went to Italy to do it? Yeah, I mean, me me personally, I've always been attracted to super, super meticulous attention to detail. So mm-hmm. I knew right off the bat that, you know, if I were going to achieve that, I would have to go into the luxury realm. You know, the types of details on my shoes and just my designs in general could not be produced in China. So I knew instantly that I wanted to go for a higher quality product with extreme attention to detail, very clean lines, custom everything pretty much. And also I wanted, you know, kind of the peace of knowing that I'm working with factories that are ethical and humane. And and so that was also, yeah, that was also a big reason why I wanted to go to Italy because my first time like stepping into the factory in Italy, like they're literally walking around in lab coats with like tools in their hands. Like they look like doctors, they look like surgeons, like, mm-hmm. and, and the factories are beautifully designed. And, you know, it, it's just a really inviting and welcoming and beautiful environment where incredible artworks are made. And instantly I felt at home. I love that. And it also shows who you are as an individual, right? You're saying, look, if I'm going to do this, I want to make it the best it can be. And I've heard some rumors that your shoes are super comfortable as well, which is also great. So that actually what you were explaining just now took away my next question because I was going to ask, you know, how do you feel that, you know, you're separated in this journey from others who are doing the same thing? But you just said it, you're making sure that it's custom design, they're clean lines, you know, they're, they're really unique pieces. And as well, like I said, they're comfortable. And I know you're a third generation entrepreneur, which is so unique. A lot of people that are doing it, especially millennials right now, many of them are first generation entrepreneurs and they're trying to figure it out all by themselves. So how do you feel that this has helped you on your journey being a third generation entrepreneur? I mean, at this point, I'm convinced entrepreneurship runs in my bloodline. <laughs> um, it's honestly, it's been an amazing experience being able to grow this business with my parents and just tapping into their wealth of knowledge about entrepreneurship and building business. Even though, you know, they're in a completely different industry than mine, you know, they work in finance, they work at investment, yeah, investment banking. So they're bankers, they're sellers. And it's like, not every skill is transferable to my business, but definitely like the selling skills, the networking skills, just the overall strategic plotting and those types of things. Watching my parents do that and learning their tips and tricks about how to do it you know, time efficiently and effectively has just, it's, it's been the world of a difference, honestly. And it, I don't know, it's kind of just breathed new life into just our family dynamic because we're a family that literally owns businesses. Like we own, that, we own. And, it, and it's just so a cool beautiful thing. It is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. 
And I know you said that they are completely different industries and there are some things transferable, but as soon as you said investment banking to me, it came to mind because I used to work in the banking industry for 12 years, over 12 years. And I was in the private banking area, which is the investments and the trust business and all of that. And a lot of the target market is high-end clients, right? So especially when you are using the transferable knowledge with selling and marketing and things like that, they're selling luxury on their end too. It's not luxury retail, but it's a luxury like service. So that's amazing that you guys are all intertwined that way as well. So they can give you that information. And I'm sure they help you on the finance side too, right? Absolutely. Of course. (laughs) course. I mean, I take all my money advice from them 100%. I love it. So you've managed to do something. You've managed to accomplish something that so many other shoe brands and just brands, period, clothing brands as well, only dream about. You had Rihanna photographed in your boots, the white, amazing boots. So how did you manage that? I mean, her team reached out and she wanted to buy a couple pairs of shoes and I sold them to her. Love it. And then a couple months later, she was photographed in them. Okay, so this is even a different question then. I'm going to change the question then because I was thinking that you reached out to her or her team. So they reached out to you, which means you were doing a whole lot right in order for them to even know the brand, right? So what do you think it is that you did on a marketing side that caught their attention? Um, I think it was mostly word of mouth marketing, if I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. I definitely think my most powerful um, marketing tool since the inception of my business has definitely been word of mouth. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that I'm sure your network definitely helps with that as well when you in Milan and in New York. That's amazing. Of course. So, yeah. yeah. So what would you say has been the most challenging part of this journey for you? Um, The most challenging part. I mean, honestly, that is such a deep question because there's so many different levels of challenge, you know. But for me, I definitely think the hardest part for me is because this is literally my first job. Like this is my first experience like being in the workforce and like making money so for me I definitely think the biggest challenge has kind of just been that like self-doubt component and you know it's just sometimes the journey can just be hard and nothing seems to be going your way and Mm -hmm. you know you're met with rejection and rejection and it's and it's just that that piece that's so crucial just having that resilience and persistence to overcome those challenges and yeah just keep going and keep believing in yourself and seeing value in what you're doing because sometimes it can get really crowded for sure and resilience is definitely a trait of an entrepreneur so i love that you said that and you mentioned the word rejection so i feel like there's some synchronicity because i definitely tweeted about rejection today and i was just saying like look if you don't put yourself out there if you don't ask the answer is going to be no anyway so don't be afraid of that rejection because rejection is help you to grow at the end of the day. And it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel nice. No one likes to be rejected, but it's something that we have to accept on an entrepreneurial journey. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And the craziest part is sometimes further along the journey, you realize that rejection was actually a blessing. Like that rejection yes. set you up yes. for something so pivot, much greater. Makes, so yes, that's what I, pivot. It makes you pivot to a direction that's so much more aligned for what you need, something better that you can even imagine for yourself. Absolutely. And it's like, that's where it gets like so hard because it's like, you have to be willing to keep pushing mm-hmm. to understand why that rejection had to happen. You know what I mean? Because it's always revealed further along the journey. So 
That's so true. So what do you do during those times though? Because I know there are people that are listening and I know you said earlier self-doubt and that's something that plagues well everybody, but especially entrepreneurs, right? You can have the best brand going, but at some point you're going to doubt yourself along the way and the rejections can contribute to that. But how do you deal with the self-doubt? Because I know there's going to be someone listening who may be going through a really tough week. Maybe they're getting rejections or maybe they're rejecting themselves with the self-doubt. So is there anything you can help them or assist them with um, just letting them know how you deal with it? You know, I kind of deal with it by one, venting to my support system because your support system, another network, you know, Uh, another network that's important to highlight. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. network will definitely keep you on point because the thing about being an entrepreneur is it's so hard to be satisfied. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we're living years in advance in our head. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about executing a five-year plan, Uh you know? So I'm, I'm not, it's sometimes it's hard for me to be present and it's super, super hard for me to, to reflect on the past achievements in particular. So tapping into that support network to remind you of what you built and like what the accomplishments have been, even accomplishments that happened last week that I'm that are just so far from my mind. I just don't think about it. I don't remember it. I don't care about it because I'm on to the next. I'm thinking about the next. So having those people that can like draw you back to reality and be like, no, look at all this that you've done in the past month. Like that's crazy. Like you're killing it. And just like to say things like that to you. And also, you know, I pray, like I, I pray every day. Like I'm, consistently and constantly just talking to God and putting my faith um, in God. And that also helps ground me and keep me humble and, you know, keep me focused. And, and yeah, that's definitely a trend. Um, And I say trend, I mean, something that in the last few podcasts, multiple people have mentioned their relationship with God and how that's assisted them on their journey, right? So it's definitely something that's helping so much. So guys, if you're listening, that means one, you need to have a support system, right? Talk to people, help them, let them help you remember it. And also you mentioned too, that, you know, you forget what you did just last week. And I think that's the gift and the curse of the entrepreneur, where our minds are constantly far ahead and we have to remember to be present, but that's very difficult for us because we're always on to the next goal. So it is important to have that. And two, to have that spiritual support system, to have God in your life. If, I mean, it's probably sure there's going to be people here that don't believe in God. And Rachel, actually, in her last podcast, Rachel Luna had mentioned, you know, whatever it is that you believe in, double down on that. Because having that faith in something would be what helps pull you through during these difficult times that you may encounter. So I love that. And I love that you brought up your faith as well, because it's showing a trend amongst all the entrepreneurs that I have interviewed on here so far. And that's really giving a lesson to those who are listening that, look, it takes more than just you, you know? So I do like that. So we talked about the challenges and what would you say you enjoy the most about the entrepreneurial journey? Um, I just enjoy the freedom to be creative and kind of also the freedom to learn lessons the hard way. Like I'm the type of person that never makes the same mistake twice. So I can be, Smart you know, girl. <laughs> I, I can be kind of 
centered, like even when I'm in the middle of turbulence, you know what I mean? Because I know that even though it's hard right now and I'm making mistakes right now, I know that once I learn this lesson, I'm never going to make that mistake again. And I just, I love learning that way. I love being thrown in the middle of the fire or thrown in the middle of the ring. And, and it's just super exciting. And it's also just so fulfilling to be able to like do research, travel the world and draw inspiration from every little thing that I see and then take that with me when I'm sitting down at the design table and really reach down deep into my heart or deep into my memory or just deep into my mind and come up with a design that I think is going to be flattering and empowering and beautiful and, you know, just do all of the things that I need the shoe to do for, for my ladies, for, for us women, because, mm-hmm. you know, shoes are just so important to me. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Like, if you knew me, yeah, like, you, if you've if you knew me from probably age 14 on, I was really? always a girl ago. wearing wearing that long ago. I was in high school. I would literally wear Louboutins to class, <laughs> like throughout the day from 8 a.m. to you were that whatever, person. 3 p.m. <laughs> I, was, I was that girl. Like when, when that, that transformation that, that just overwhelms me when I slip my foot into a pair of quality shoes with beautiful design on a high heel. I'm sorry. I love the high heels. I just, you know, that, that, that transformation for me is just irreplaceable and it's just something that I need in my life. So I take my job super seriously. It's just that process of being able to design what I feel women need is, is the most fun part about my job. We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I love that. And what would you say sparks that creativity? Is it when you travel or at what point do you feel the most inspired to sit down and like sketch out a new design? Hmm. I don't know. I, part of me feels like I was just born with the desire to be free creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, there is no any one time that's like the recipe. Like when I do this, I can, I can design like, or when I, when I eat this, like I'm most creative. Like it's, it's definitely not not that black and white. It just the inspiration comes when it comes and and I embrace it when it comes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, they don't do shoe designs, but I have a friend who's a graphic designer and she can find inspiration in the most random places. It could be a piece of tile in like a hotel bathroom. And she's like, oh, I've got it and figures out a logo. <laughs> like Totally. Definitely, totally. Like, I mean, it can even... It can even be words sometimes like Mm. it's crazy just the way that it happens. And it's just such a beautiful thing and such a beautiful process, which is why, you know, I when when we're talking about, you know, what are some of the challenges? It's obviously a challenge that the footwear market is somewhat oversaturated, right, with like trend driven products and things that are made in China or, you know, made in Spain or whatever. 
But it's like at the same time when you're drawing your inspiration from genuine things and not looking to be on trend per se or not looking to do what everyone else is doing, like there's always room. I feel like there will always be room for you and your perspective. And just because you mentioned China again just now, have any of your designs been ripped off? And if so, how have you dealt with that? Yeah, actually one of my first designs was was I I think ripped off and it was really crazy because my brand was so small when it happened and it was ripped off by a really big brand and it was kind of (laughs) I know my friend Perry's listening to this right now from the gold label or gold the label both of them are her Instagram handles guys and um yeah they took something also yeah I know she's listening shaking her head so go ahead sorry about that (laughs) yeah and I mean they pretty much copied the design verbatim like they they did not change a single thing and it was it was definitely a very strange experience and I don't know I just kind of laughed it off yeah it's so disrespectful (laughs) though it's like, and that's the thing though, because you have the confidence in knowing, look, I can't be stopped. You can steal that design, but I'm already five steps ahead now because I'm onto something else. Um, and it's yeah. amazing to me though, that the large companies, it's almost as if they look at the smaller brands as prey because they figure if they do rip something off, they aren't go- no one's going to notice. But of course the designer notices, right? <laughs> so anyway, that's just- Right, so- but I also feel like it's a level deeper than that. Yes, they look at small brands, but they also look at brands that have cultural or social relevance. Too. Yes, uh-huh. Yep, that's so true. Which is like- Which adds a level of disappointment. (laughs) It is. It it is. That's a great politically correct way of saying that. Frustrating, ripping our stuff off. (laughs) So let me know, what advice do you have for anyone out there dreaming of creating their own line, whether it be clothing or shoes or jewelry? I say, and they haven't started at all yet, right? They haven't started. Maybe they've sketched some things, but they aren't sure where to go because there are so many directions. I'd say the first step is definitely taking those sketches and showing them to people and I know this can be like one of the hardest parts but taking those designs showing them to people and getting opinions because this is one thing that I wish I kind of did earlier trust (laughs) yeah people you trust for sure people definitely don't show them to like no haters or nothing like that like definitely show them to people that want to see you do well Mm -hmm. um, and want to see you succeed because honestly getting that early potential customer feedback is so crucial like right now customer feedback pretty much fuels everything that I'm doing product wise and I I really wish this was a lesson that I had to learn I really wish that I would have been more willing to listen early on because you definitely want that beginner's luck and you definitely want that you know you want sales right out of the gate because that's what's going to sustain your business you know that's what's going to get your business off the ground so I think it's being really strategic about the products that you launch with and making sure that you collect enough data, you know, before launching, before producing the designs to make sure that there will be people, that there's a market for that, you know, that people mm-hmm. are going to want to come out and support that and buy that. Because that'll that. give you a lot of confidence as a founder very, very early on. That's great advice. So guys, if you're listening, if that's you, then make sure that you're sharing your stuff with someone you trust. Get that feedback. Don't be closed off to feedback. It can be the most important piece of the puzzle before you even get your foot up and running. So I really like that. And I know for your business from 2018, you turned it from a 500,000 business 
straight to a multi-million dollar business. Was there something different you did in between that time or was it just catching on and more people were purchasing or did you push marketing along the way? No, for me, it was definitely about the evolution of the product. Mm -hmm. I definitely came out of the gate with beautiful designs, but also designs that weren't really practical for everyday life. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're going to really capture an audience or a demographic, like you have to have a product that kind of can be used beyond just one instance. Like mm -hmm. people aren't in masses, right? People aren't purchasing $1,000 shoes to wear once a month when they go out with exactly. their girlfriends. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it has to have some in. type of, yeah. exactly. So it, for me, I was coming out the gate with all these five inch heels that were like super sexy and it's like going out and, you know, date night and like whatever. And it's just like, that's super great. And I do need to have that at, as an offering. But I also needed to diversify my catalog. And mm -hmm. once I diversified my catalog, I was able to, you know, attract a bunch of different customers, more customers. And they were more willing to purchase because I had a, a product offering that that was relevant to more than one aspect of their life. <laughs> I love that. And I'm saying that all the time because I do. I really love what you're saying. So that means you took a strategic approach. And was that through customer feedback where you got someone saying, I really love these, but I wish it was something a bit more, not casual, but something I could wear more often. Did you get that feedback from totally. someone? Yeah. Totally, totally. And I mean, I wear my product all the time. I, I only wear my shoes. So that's the way to go. Though. That same, yeah. So I was also feeling those same things. I'm like, okay, this feel is a little bit, you know, unmanageable when I'm trying to just, you know, hop up and, and go to breakfast with a friend or go to a lunch meeting. Like I need some lower heels. I need some more walkable heels. I need more flats. I need, you know what I mean? So I was knowing, but just by wearing my product and what I had to offer so often, that I needed to branch out and diversify to capture more aspects of daily life. I love that. You're wearing your own things. And so this is important for anyone listening. It's not just, even if you aren't into design, even if you aren't a designer, if you have any business, it's important to test your product or services, okay? Even if you have an ebook available on your website, you're gonna wanna go on that website and purchase that ebook yourself to make sure that the buying process is as smooth as possible. When you print it out, it looks good. You wanna test your own products first. So I do love that advice. It's super important. And because she was her own customer, Kendall was able to say as well, like, okay, I need to diversify my catalog. So that's great. So are there any other or new products or projects you're working on that you'd like to share? Girl, if only you could see me right now. I'm literally standing <laughs> knee deep in a shipment that just arrived from Italy this morning. Oh, that's trying exciting. On, trying on my new samples that will be coming in November. Oh, can't wait to see them. Cannot wait to see them. I'm actually dying because I have my very first sneaker design here and it yes. looks amazing. Awesome. Everybody in the office. About sneakers. Everybody in the office was like, oh my God, that's beautiful. I love it. And I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. <laughs> And I'm sure you're going to be, so do you rock your shoes before they actually drop to get people excited about them? Or is it like completely hush until the second you launch it? No, I'm definitely trying to be, you know, a little bit more social on social media and yeah. let people into, <laughs> let people into what's going on behind the scenes. Because like I said, it's that customer feedback and potential customer feedback that's really going to fuel the next wave of growth for my company. So I definitely want to know 
what they like about the designs, what they would change about the designs, what colors they want to see, you know, mm -hmm. any changes to the fit that I could make. So I'm definitely going to be dropping a little teasers, doing a couple surveys, um, and just getting opinions about the product. If you go on my Instagram right now at the Kendall Miles, you will see a couple stories up there of new products. I'll check that out as soon as we hop off. And see, that's so important to me because I find artists, and I do believe what you do is art, right? A lot of artists sometimes hold things so close to their chest. And I'm an artist, artist as well because I'm an author. But aside from that, a lot of us hold it to our chest. And when I say us, I'm not talking about me because I'm usually very transparent online. But artists hold it to their chest. And as a result, they never get that feedback. And just to give you guys an idea of what this, what happens as a result is that you have what is called ugly business baby syndrome. How everyone has their newborn baby and they think they're adorable. And then someone else that you're trying to pass it to thinks it looks like a rat. So it's like, uh, I don't want to hold your baby. So sometimes people fall in love with their project, never get feedback and think that what they have is going to sell. And a lot of times it will, but you never know. And you never know what additional information you can get to make your product or service that much better when you do share a bit. Social media is called social media for a reason. And I find that the brands that do engage on social media get the best results. Do you manage your own social? I actually just took over my Kendall Miles social for the first time. I had a company and I still have them managing it for the for the first three years of the business just because I was focused on other things. But yeah. like I said, now this next wave of growth is really going to be fueled by interacting and understanding what my customers, what my fans, the people that look up to my brand and want to support my brand want to see. So I need to be the one doing that work and I need to be the one just maintaining that conversation and creating the personality of the brand so that they feel comfortable to share what they think. So important, especially because your name is in the brand, right? So it is very personal to you. And even I'm sure even if you had the other company running it, if there was like some feedback that they thought would be beneficial for you, I'm sure they sent that to you, right? You were able to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So this is called the Freedom Slay podcast. So the last question I love to ask guests when they're on here is what does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me just means, you know, that that willingness and opportunity to truly express how I feel and to do what I feel, to act on what I feel. I'm like that type of person that's always trying to talk about my feelings and like <laughs> what's bothering me or what I'm happy about or what's exciting to me or just how someone's energy is making me feel. Mm -hmm. And I just I feel like freedom is that space in which you can openly express all of those things for you, you know, not for anyone else, just for you. Absolutely beautiful. And I think on that note, I think you've dropped so many gems for everyone on the podcast. And thank you so much, Kendall. Thank you for having me. It was fun talking with you. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 